to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, a current student at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. You can go check out all my work on my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see my work from my packages that I shoot, my articles that I write, my photos that I take, and the graphic design that I make. And then, as always, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. For segment number one today, we're going to continue our Spotlight Player Series. We're going to take a look at Taylor Clark, starting pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll take a look at his 2019 season and what kind of impact he could uh, provide in 2020. And then for segment number two today, it's Talk to Me Tuesdays. So we're going to have Janton Shorter, a.k.a. JT Shorter, on the pod to talk about some baseball, get into little topics like uh, the new rules, and just get a little D-backs talk as well. I heard he has a pretty good take for you guys to hear. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned for that in segment number two today. But first... If your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, for segment number one today, we're talking about Taylor Clark. Taylor Clark was drafted by the D-backs back in the third round of the 2015 draft. He is currently 26 years old. He spent a couple seasons in the minors uh, with the Reno Aces. Uh, He spent some time down there last season before being called up, and uh, he made his debut as a reliever, actually. He was being prepped to be a starter in the minors, but when he came up on his debut, he was uh, expected to be a reliever that day, and uh, that's the way he did. He he went in uh, against the Chicago Cubs, hit a 6-0 lead, and he pitched the last three innings flawlessly. Ended up with a a three-inning save, which is pretty unheard of. You don't see that too much in baseball nowadays. But he was able to get a three-inning save, uh, from then on, he moved uh, up and down from the minors between uh, major leagues and the Reno Aces, but he got his chance to start again with the D-backs. And uh, from then on out, it was just game over for Taylor Clark. He uh, went on to make a string of 13 straight starts, but those starts didn't go so well. If you just look at his splits between a, a starter and a reliever, Taylor Clark had a 3.54 ERA as a reliever and a 5.88 ERA as a starter. So after those 13 starts uh, by August, uh, Tory Lavello had seen enough, and they actually moved Taylor Clark back to the bullpen. They started using him as a long relief guy, you know, someone who could come in for the starting pitcher if he gets shelled early and uh, just come in and help, you know, keep the game close and just keep you in it so you don't have to use your other bullpen arms and just keep them fresh. So Taylor Clark ended up doing that by the end of the season. So uh, he just didn't look too good as a starter throughout the year. He ended the year with 15 starts, a 5.3 array, 
5.31 ERA overall. He ended up with 84 innings pitched, but the worst number for him is the 23 home runs allowed. His home run per nine innings would have led the team. And for guys with at least 100 inning, for guys with at least 84 innings pitched, he had the worst home run per nine on the team. So that's just one of the biggest weaknesses the D-backs had uh, last season. Mike Leak led the league in home runs allowed. Bumgarner and Merrill Kelly were both, you know, topped or. Bumgarner and Robbie Ray were both tied in home runs allowed. And I think Merrill Kelly was also top 10 in the NL in home runs allowed. So that's four guys right there with uh, Taylor Clark, Merrill Kelly, Madison Bumgarner, Robbie Ray, and Mike Leake. That's actually five guys. I had to count them out on my hand just so I could get the number right because that is too many guys giving up home runs. That's what That was one of the biggest issues for the D-backs in 2019. And you definitely want to see them clean that up in 2020. They want to have a real shot at contending this year. Now, for Taylor Clark, at least, uh, he's definitely going to need to give uh, get those home runs down if he wants to be in the future in 2020. He's currently vying for a fifth spot in the rotation. Uh, the D-backs don't have their rotation uh, set yet, at least the back end of it. We assume that Madison Bumgarner, of course, is probably going to be the ace. Rob, excuse me, Robbie Ray is most likely to be in that rotation as well, as is probably the number two. And then I would say Luke Weaver is probably the only last guarantee. And then Mike Leake has seemed to have a pretty strong hold of that fourth spot, but I would still say it's up in the air with him. But other than that, you still got Zach Gallen. Mike Leake, Merrill Kelly, Taylor Clark, Alex Dillon. You have a lot of guys who are vying, vying for really those last two spots in the rotation. And Taylor Clark is right there amongst them. And he needs to just pitch better from last season if he wants to be in consideration for that last rotation spot. And so far in the spring, he hasn't been giving himself a chance. And only 4.1 innings pitch. This is just two games played. He's given up nine earned runs y'all nine earned runs you can't do that in spring training when you're going against minor league players and a lot of guys who are not making the major league roster at this point I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Taylor Clark maybe start the season in the minors again but uh he he still is only 26 years old so he's still very young he was a rookie last season so he's still doesn't have a lot of experience under his belt. So even if he doesn't uh, start the year in the minors, I don't think he's worthy of a rotation spot right now, at least, unless he really starts to put it together by the end of spring training. I say you start him in the bullpen. You use him as that long reliever like you did last year because long relievers are just so valuable. There's so many games throughout the year where your starter goes out there and gives up five runs in three innings and is already at 90 pitches through three innings. And then, you, and then you're like, man, how am I going to get through the rest of this game? The last game I just had, I had my uh, eighth man go out there, you know, my eighth inning guy. He pitched a couple innings or maybe had an extra inning game the, the game before. So all your relievers are, you know, pretty pooped from that game. So that's when uh, Taylor Clark is just the perfect solution and Band-Aid for that. Could just put him in for two, three innings, maybe four innings if he's pitching well. They could just give those uh, back-end bullpen, uh, back bullpen guys some rest. Or even if that uh, starter is not doing too well, like I said, or if he gets hurt, they can just insert Taylor Clark into that. Uh, they can just insert Taylor Clark into the game, then he could keep it afloat for you. Just be a pretty much Band-Aid for the team. 
So right now, that's pretty much where I see Taylor Clark's uh, potential, at least in the 2020 MLB season. But that doesn't mean down the line he can't be a viable starter in this rotation. I mean, he was a third-round pick. So obviously, he was taken pretty high in the draft. The D-backs like him a lot. They groomed him, as I said, to be a starter in the minors. So we'll see if that ever materializes in the future. D-backs just have so many young guys who are vying for the starting rotation. So it's just going to be hard to get your opportunity. But when you do have a chance to make your mark and really show your effectiveness and potential, then you have to go out there and you have to take full control of it. Terrell Clark just needs to take full control of every moment given to him and every opportunity given to him by Tori Lovello and the D-backs. And if he does that, then he has a real chance to be a future starter in this rotation and maybe, you know, be as high as the number two or number three starter in the D-backs rotation someday in the future. Now, you guys are going to want to stay tuned for segment number two today because it's uh, Talk To Me Tuesdays. We're going to have Janton Shorter on the podcast, so you guys are going to... So you guys are going to want to tune in and come back and listen to that because we're going to have some great uh, great discussion about baseball and the D-backs in totality after this quick message. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans. Just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's time for Talk To Me Tuesdays, and we got Janton Shorter in the building here to talk to us about some D-backs, some MLB rules. So let's jump right into the conversation. So, Janton, I hear you've think this uh, Diamondbacks team is a little reminiscent of that 2001 World Series team. Can you talk to me a little bit about that, why you, why you feel that is the case? I do, Millard. I mean, this team is very comparable to the 2001 World Series Diamondbacks. Um, they have a great starting pitch, a star or ace in um, Madison Bumgarner, comparatively to Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, um, who just came out strong, had 20-plus 20 wins each that year. Also, Luis Gonzalez, he killed it that year on offense. But they have Cartel Marte this year and Starling Marte coming in. Also, great production offensively. So, they could be good this year. We'll see. Got to see how they perform, though. 
Yeah, I agree with you slightly. Uh, that D-backs team would just, you know, such, such an enigma when you really think about it. I mean, going against the 2001 Yankees, they were, they were stout themselves. And then that was right after the 9-11 tragedy. So it felt like the whole world was behind the Yankees. And for the D-backs to go in there and win that World Series, it was pretty unheard of. I do see some uh, similarities between the D-backs now and the D-backs back then. But outside of Madison Bumgarner, I don't know who's that second starter that the D-backs have this season that the 2001 World Series team had. I mean, I'm not even sure if Madison Bumgarner is still even on the level of a Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson. He is over 30. He probably is coming off his worst season of his career with 3.9 ERA. And then he's moving from a friendly hitter ballpark uh, or a non-friendly hitter ballpark in the with the San Francisco Giants, you know, very outfield friendly, very fly ball friendly to more where you come to the D-backs. And I mentioned in segment number one today how they have so many guys who gave up a lot of home runs. And uh, Madison Bumgarner already struggled with that last year. So I have a little trepidation whether he could keep that home, uh, home run total countdown uh, this year with the team. And then I don't know who's going to be the Luis Gonzalez. I definitely think Cattel Marte has that chance. But Luis Gonzalez, when you go back and look at those numbers, he batted 330, 57 bombs. The man was a beast that year. So I think uh, Cattel Marte has a chance to do that, but I'm not entirely sure. But I do think I like the rest of the D-backs, uh, uh, rest of the lineup outside of uh, – Marte and Luis Gonzalez. If you just take those two guys out, the two best players in each starting lineup, I think I like this team's starting lineup better, actually, than that 2001, uh, 2001 World Series winning team. I feel like this team's a little bit more well-rounded. I think we have better power hitters with Cole Calhoun, Eduardo Escobar. They got a 5-2 player in Starling Marte. So I think this team is a little bit more well-rounded than that 2001 World Series team. But I think that two, 2001 World Series team has a lot better uh, front-line starting pitching than this uh, current roster of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, Jantown, we got some new rules for the 2020 MLB season that were just implemented. Uh, things like an extra player rule where uh, you can now add a 26 guy on the roster. And on days you have a doubleheader, can even go up to a 27th man. Uh, the injured list and option period for pitchers now. Uh, you could go from 10 to 15 days on the IL. The reduction time for uh, deciding whether or not you want to challenge a call went from 30 to 20 seconds. But the Oh, and also you got the two-way player desi uh, designation now. So guys like Shohai Otani uh, is now a two-way player because he both uh, pitches and hits. But the rule that I think is most important for uh, – Upcoming in the 2020 MLB season is this new three-batter minimum rule. Now when you bring in a relief pitcher, uh, they have to face at least three batters before they can even be taken out of the game. I think that's just going to be so huge because uh, we saw like Clayton Kershaw last year. He came in the playoff game uh, where the Dodgers were leading, and after two pitches back-to-back, -back, he gave up back-to-back -back home runs, and there goes the lead. So he did. So uh, he was taken out after that, of course. And but uh, with this new rule, he would have to stay in even after giving up back-to-back -back home runs. So I just want to get your opinion on it. And what do you think about the new rules in totality, especially the one where I think the three batter minimum is going to be the most uh, important one and play the biggest role in the 2020 MLB season? 
I think the three batter one is really going to change the way baseball is played, honestly. Um, a lot of times, relief pitchers are meant to only face one or two batters just because that's their specialty. They're going to come in lefty on lefty and come out for the next batter. Um, so having this new rule in place is really going to cause pitchers to have a lot more stamina coming in, um, having to face more batters, and even going to change the way hitters even approach uh, the later innings of the game focused on trying to analyze the uh, relief pitchers more than they do now instead of just focusing on the starting pitching. Um, the other rules, I really, the two-way player rule, it's going to be interesting. There's not a lot of two-way players out right now, but definitely with the kids coming up in high school and college, it can definitely change the way they focus and concentrate on developing their game to not just be a one-way player. Um, and the extra player rule, um, that's going to be interesting to see down the line. Um, probably come playoff time, do you want to keep a rookie in or do you want to keep like your veteran in? I mean, I feel like you want to ride the hot hand most times, but contrary to belief, sometimes you want to go with your veteran um, just to see how they're going to they have the experience, so they'll probably play better long-term. Yeah, this new three-batter minimum rule, I think it just going to have such a big impact in the 2020 MLB season. I think it has a lot of positives and negatives about it. Uh, when I get into the positives, I really think about how it could speed up the game. Now you have to, now if a, a lefty is in versus another lefty, then you don't have to take the pitcher out if a righty batter comes up for that righty-righty matchup. So you don't have to see a pitcher being taken out for every batter, pretty much. Now they have to go in and face three batters. So I think that's going to help a lot. And I also think it's going to help increase offensive production around the league because now when you do have that pitcher who's in struggling, then they're going to have to be forced to stay in there and just keep battling until they get out of the inning or until they face those three batters. I think that's also going to have a negative reaction at the same time just because now I have to keep that pitcher in, whether he's struggling or not, just to face that three batter minimum. And sometimes you could just tell right away whether your pitcher has it or not that day. And I don't want to have to just keep relying on my pitcher to just go out there and keep throwing pitches if he doesn't have it, he could just be giving me the just be giving the game away for me, just like Clay Kershaw did when he gave up those back-to-back -back home runs in the postseason last year. I wouldn't have wanted to see him face a third batter. He already gave up enough damage. He could give up another double and and put the put the team he was facing in a more a, another scoring opportunity. So, I see the positives and negatives uh, from this. As for the other rules, though, I like the twenty-six player. Uh, I like the adding. Uh, expanding the roster from 25 players to 26 players because I was talking with you off the mic. Uh, sometimes you do have two players. Sometimes you have that established all-star veteran who uh, who might be injured at a certain point in the season, and then you bring up that rookie. It might be playing hot, and then when that veteran comes back, you have a difficult choice to make, whether to insert the veteran in the lineup or keep riding the hot hand. Now you don't have to make that decision. You could keep them both in the lineup. Maybe still have the option of a pitcher or something, but... I think I like that rule a lot. And then having on the, and then for double headers, you could expand the roster to 27 players. So I think I like that rule a lot. The three battle minimum, I think it's just going to be so crazy. You're going to see a lot more strategy now when we get into games. Uh, a lot more coaching is going to go into it because you're really going to decide whether your relief pitcher can even face the next three batters as opposed to just facing the one guy who's up at plate and then knowing you're going to go to your 
next relief pitcher when the next batter comes up to bat. So I think we're going to see a lot of positives and negatives from all the rules in this MLB uh, 2020 MLB season. And back to that three batter minimum, it's going to be interesting with the new rule um, with the amount of times you can go visit the mound also. Um, do you want to go and talk to your relief pitcher mid uh, or in between those three batters, or do you want to wait to warm up those pitchers or call down to the bullpen earlier or later on as he progresses through the inning? Um, so that should be interesting to look at this season. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. It was Talk to Me Tuesdays. So thank you to Janton Shorter for hopping on. And uh, he had some great insight on the new rules and how uh, he compared this uh, version of the D-backs to that 2001 World Series team. So definitely go back and listen if you skipped over that part. And then you guys are going to want to tune back in tomorrow because it's where we at Wednesdays tomorrow. So I'll take a look at how the D-backs are faring through spring training through their first couple of weeks. Peace.